Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull, and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Hello and welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where I, Amanda Stoker, get to talk with really interesting people about some of the most challenging issues of our time. And today I have the great privilege and excitement to be chatting with a very um, unlikely hero, I think, Harry Miller. Now, Australians will know Harry M. Miller as an entertainment agent for um, Australian stars, but this Harry Miller, I think, is fighting for something a lot more important. Um, he was a police officer from Humberside in the UK, and he has become a bit of a free speech champion. And it all started with a poem. Harry, how are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm I'm great, mate. Absolutely, absolutely, spawn. Thank you very much for having me on your show. This is this is a real privilege. Thank you for staying up late for me. I really appreciate it. Now, you have found yourself in the public eye in circumstances where that was never something you sought. Tell us what happened. Yeah, okay. So for, for quite a while, during 20, sort of 2018, um, I've been tweeting quite extensively about um, trans rights and um, proposed changes to the Gender Recognition Act, whereby anybody can just announce that they've changed sex and hey presto, boom, they've changed sex and we're all supposed to just go along with it. So the government had called for the nation to discuss this because they recognised that it was a bit of a, a bit of a sensitive topic. So I tweeted about it. It uh, didn't target anybody, didn't do anything particularly, you know, rude or nasty or anything like that. Um, and one day I was just, I was shopping at Tesco's. I'd just finished shopping and I got a telephone call from my managing director. Um, from work saying the police were after me uh, and they got a phone number and I rang the police officer back and it was this fellow called PC Gulf and uh, he said to me that um, he was investigating me for things that I'd written on Twitter and I said now hold on a minute are, are any of them were any of them a crime he said oh no 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 none of them were a crime um, but if you keep doing it they could turn into a crime I said that's absolutely ridiculous. What 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 is it I've done exactly? And he said, Ah, well, you, you tweeted limerick. And I said, Limerick? I said, I've not written any limerick. He said, Yeah, but you you re you retweeted a limerick. And I said, Well that's that's absolutely nuts. So you're rigging me up about a limerick that I didn't write, that I just happened to like and retweet. He said, Yeah, that's exactly it, because it's causing trans people to be very, very upset. And this this, 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 this limerick demonstrates that you hate trans people. I said, but that's, that's absolutely, absolutely not. That's absolutely crazy. He said, no, no, he said, um, the people in your, um, the people at your place of work down at Immingham Dock, um, they're probably very upset with you. They're probably very scared of you, etc., because you, you are clearly this hateful transphobe. I said, but that's, that's absolutely completely nuts. Anyway, it wasn't nuts, and uh, the, the end result was that um, I ended up with this thing called a non-crime crime against my name. Can you get? Can you believe that? A non-crime crime. So there's so my much. Name there's is- so much to explore in that. I mean, we start with circumstances where the 
public in the United Kingdom are invited by political leaders to engage in a conversation about something that is uh, new, that challenges people's understanding of what it means to be male or female, that for many people will be a massive shift in thinking and you know not everyone's going to get behind it i've got to say it's something that that i um i mean i don't mind what adults do with themselves but um i do think we want to be careful about um (laughs) accepting too readily the idea that someone can just think themselves into different biology but well you can't you can't can you 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 just can't we all know we all know you can't we all know and i'll tell you what this coronavirus has shown us that there are only two sexes that's it. Because all those people who said they're neither male nor female, they've not gotten away with it, have they? It's not, a, it's not attacking all these other strange and weird genders. It's attacking males and it's attacking females. Because all of us are male and female. It's absolutely immutable. You can dress, you can be born a male and dress like a lady. You can be born a woman and dress like a bloke if you want to. Absolutely fine. Crack genes on. are genes but and biology is biology, you, right? Exactly. You cannot change sex. Now, when I said, when I said to the police, look, I believe that you cannot change sex. They said to me, we're not saying that you can't say that, but why would you want to, knowing that it upsets people? And I said, screw you. It's not your job to be marshalling my thoughts and marshalling what I say. You have no right to do that whatsoever. And they said to me, well, in that case, well, um, you know, you might like to take us to court then. And I said, well, that's the first thing that you said that's any sense all night. Um, I will see you there. And that's how we ended up at the, um, at the High Court in London last year. Well, I definitely want to hear about that. But if we just, if we just put for aside for a moment the, the gender issue, because um, obviously you and I feel similarly about it, but yeah. there's going to be other people who think differently to us. But the whole point yeah. of a national conversation is that people with all different kinds of perspectives need to be able to participate in it. Otherwise, you're not going to get public policy that reflects the genuine concerns and needs of the whole community. So, to well, find- that's what you would—that's what you would think, and that's what you would expect. But that is just not the way it's playing out in this country, certainly, so because they, say- have this ha- they have this—they have this hashtag on Twitter called "No Debate" or "Debate is Hate." And the idea of that is that anybody at all who dares to question the notion that you can simply self-identify your way out of one sex into another sex is a hateful transphobe and somebody that the police need to deal with. Because if the police don't deal with you and you're debating, then the next thing that is likely to happen is that you're going to end up stabbing somebody. And I'm not exaggerating there. When I said to the police... If I keep tweeting and I I don't stop, how will it turn into a crime? What crime is it that you are trying to stop? What what will it escalate to? And they said, well, there's the Stephen Lawrence report. Now, Stephen Lawrence was a black guy, a young black lad who got stabbed by white racist thugs at a bus stop in the 1980s. And this is what they said. This is what they cited to me as being the trajectory that I was on without their intervention. So I could go from tweet from retweeting a limerick to stabbing somebody to bus stop unless they intervened. That's absolutely crazy, absolutely nuts, particularly in the context of a national debate that the government has called upon its populace to have. 
Now, PC Gore, PC is police constable? Yeah, please, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so police constable Gore comes around to you and essentially says he wants to check your thinking. Well, he, he, not essentially, that's what he said, because I said to him, I said, okay, so I've, have I committed a crime? He said, oh, no, no question at all. You've not committed any crime. I said, so why are you, why are you speaking to me? Why are we having this conversation? And he said, because I need to check your thinking. Word for word, that's what he said. Wow. I couldn't quite believe it. I said to him, I said to him, you do realize that you're the police, you're in check my thinking. Do you have any idea what that makes you? He had no idea what that made him. So I told him, I gave him a little le- lesson in George Orwell. And because I said, thought crime is really I, what 1984 yeah, is about. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. I told him that, I told him that 1984 was a dystopian novel and not a police how-to manual. But he didn't get that. The, the entire reference just completely passed him by. The poor lad didn't have a clue that he was doing anything wrong. And we, we, we had a long old chat about it. We were on the phone for 34 minutes. Um, and then he said to me, he said, Mr. Miller, what you've got to understand is, is this, that sometimes in the womb, a female brain accidentally pushes out the wrong body part, and that's what being trans is. And I said to him, you have got to be kidding me. Is that what they're teaching you? He says, yeah, 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 I've been on a course. Seriously. It's, um, it's a view he's entitled to have, but it's not a view yeah, he's entitled to push on absolutely. you. And that, not, that's where things get a, interesting. As a police officer, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Now, he as an individual can have whatever view he wants. If he wants to believe that the world is flat or that 5G masks are spreading coronavirus or what the hell he wants to believe, he can do that. And it can be as illogical or logical as he likes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What he cannot do is telephone me and interfere in my speech and my belief system. He cannot do that as a police officer. Tell me this, Harry. Of course. Sorry? Go on. I was going to say, what empowers him to do this? Well, he doesn't have a power. There is no power. He, he has no power whatsoever. Um, they're operating under guidelines. Now, this is where we have to be really careful because we have the law and then we have guidelines. And you would expect the guidelines to reflect the law. But certainly in the UK, they don't. You have law and you have guidelines. But the police operate on the guidelines as if they were law. Where do the guidelines the come from? Well, in this case, the, it's called the Hate Crime Operational Guidelines, and they're issued by the College of Policing. The College of Policing is a private company set up, I think, in 2011, and it's basically a quango of the government. It's where all the failed inspectors and um, academics and criminologists end up uh, <laughs> and invent ever new ways to cause misery for the rest of us. Um, so they published this, this guidance. They, they published this Hate Crime Guidance in 2014. And in this guidance, it says that a hate incident, which is what I was accused of, is any incident that anyone perceives as being motivated by hate, regardless of whether there is any evidence of actual hate. So you don't need evidence. All you need is somebody to point the finger and go, I believe what you just said then was motivated by hate, and bingo, the police operate it as though that was absolutely true. See, that's really interesting so, because it's a shift from um, objective facts, things that are yeah. 
readily and um, observable and sorry, readily observable. They are um, able to be determined to be um, a particular way by reasonable people who represent like the the middle of society. And instead it's become subjective feelings of one person who may have an unusual sensitivity or susceptibility around a particular topic. Yeah, well, well that's absolutely right. It, it, it's in actual fact, it's the heckless charter. It means that anybody for any reason whatsoever can ring up the police. In fact, they don't even have to ring up. We've got this thing called True Vision, which is an online portal whereby you can report people, remain anonymous, and that's it. The police will then act as though what you are saying is absolutely true. Gosh. And they don't, do, they, they don't conduct an investigation to establish facts because the, the way the hate crime guidance goes is if somebody perceives it to be hateful, it is hateful. That's it. No questions asked. And that has left me with a non-crime hate incident on my record, which... If I were to be seeking employment, say working with children or charities or anything that was sort of slightly sensitive, that could be revealed on an enhanced criminal records check. Mm. And that, at that point, I wouldn't be getting the job. No, people would go, uh, he, he sounds like he might be a bit risky. We'll, we'll go for this other person who looks a little bit safer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you, you look at the record. I got a copy of the record. For a start, it says crime reports on it. It doesn't say non-crime hate incident, it says crime report, and then it says um, offence, trans hate, and then it says category crime non-crime. What oh, the hell gosh. is a crime non-crime? That is as Orwellian doublespeak as it's possible to get. Now then, any, any potential employer who gets that on their desk, well, I know what I would do. I'd take one look at the word crime report, and I'd throw the application into the bin. Why yeah, would I? Right. Why would I take the risk? Why would I bother? Why would I bother? Particularly now, in a competitive police, market. Yeah, absolutely. But regardless of the consequence, the mere fact that I that my name is on a on a database marked hate that's something that disturbs me greatly because it's not the role of the state to be recording information like that willy nilly. They don't have our permission to do that, and yet they do it. Tell me and this. they do it. They, they do it under the under the auspices of they 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 self generate a national emergency. They say, look at all these trans people who are being willy nilly killed and they're being hated on and oh it's so terrible we've got to stop it we've got to put a stop to it. So what they then do is then they draft in these emergency measures in terms of guidance that the police that it's not based on evidence at all uh, and the police act upon it as though it were absolutely true. You know. Last, last month, the, the same College of Policing who, who issue guidance about hate crime issued a statistic. It was, trans, um, it was Trans Day of Visibility again, and they issued the following statistic. This is the police, okay, said this. One in 12 trans people are murdered. That's what it said. Do you know what the real figure is? No, I don't. One in 52,000 in, in America. Wow. Which is which is half that of a average person. <laughs> Tell me this. Okay, what what is that? They were out by a factor of four hundred thirty-three thousand percent. And these this is the this is the agency that is tasked 
with collecting stats and collecting data and calling anybody and sort of turning it into sort of hate crime, hate data, which then um, goes into how the police operate. Now, what's interesting is when we called them out on this egregious statistical error, do you know what they said? They wrote back to us and said that we were uneducated, bigoted, bored, and hateful. Wow. Pretty yeah, strong words. That, Tell me this, though. Ab- so absolutely. You've, you've absolutely now got this word, record. Word. You've got yeah. this record of a non-crime hate incident on your crime record. Non- a non-crime crime, yep. A non-crime crime. Um, yep. Did that have to be taken to court? Did it have to be proven? Was there evidence no. presented against you that you could no. um, present no. didn't against? Need, didn't need it. Isn't that extraordinary? What, what, yeah, yeah. What, what they what they had the the, the the one complaint the there was one person one person who complained against me and they were, I don't know who they were they were designated as Mrs B. How how strange is that? They were called Mrs B. Anyway, they they published um, or they collected thirty tweets of mine from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and sent them to Humberside Police. And some of the tweets were, were, were like this. Is Transgender Day a remembrance an actual thing then? That that tweet was classed as hateful, so hateful that it required police intervention. Um, a, another one was I retweeted an article in the Sunday Times that questioned um, the transitioning of children. That was classed as hateful. Wow. One, I simply said, huh, H-U-H, question mark, huh. And that was classed as And that's hateful. one of your 30 Mealy, hateful tweets. Yeah, huh, H-U-H. Now, I don't know what I was saying, huh, too, because they blanked it out, so I've no idea. But, you know, what could I possibly have been saying, huh, to that would make it a hate crime? I have no idea. Um, so I, I, I looked at this and said, well, this is absolute nonsense, and I'm not having it. So I took the police to court. So tell um, us about the court the process. What, what's, what have you been doing there? Okay, so uh, the first thing that I did was um, I, I wrote to the police and said, this is absolute nonsense. You can't do this. Strike strike my details from your records immediately. Uh, and they said no. Um, so then I had to put an appeal in and they investigated themselves and came back and said everything that they'd done was absolutely bang on right and go away. But now, at that point, most people go away because the only alternative you have at that point is to seek what's called a judicial review, which is basically going to the um, second highest court in the land at a potential cost of around 300,000 um, Australian dollars. Mm. No guarantee of winning uh, and take the police to court. So that's what we did. We ended up at the high court last November um, and we, we absolutely banked Humberside, um, and the judge called them the Gestapo, the Stasi, and the Cheka. They're pretty so strong we words. Won. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he was, it was like a, a 60-page judgment. He began with Orwell, and he ended with Orwell, and he threw in Stasi, Gestapo, and Cheka right in the middle of it. Uh, the judge was not impressed, not impressed at all. It, it, it was so funny because part of the evidence that they had one statement, this one statement from this Mrs. B person. And in the statement, it said this. It said, 80 years ago, Harry would have been persecuting the Jews. 40 years ago, Harry would have been persecuting the blacks. 
30 years ago, Harry would have been persecuting the gays. Like, and That's that highly defamatory, really. Oh, highly, highly defamatory. Hi- yeah, highly defamatory. It said that I was um, engaged in a conspiracy with the Spectator magazine um, to hate on trans people. Um, it was just a, well, in fact, the judge classed it as being from the outer edges of rationality. The judge wasn't impressed at all. But what was scary is that the College of Police and Humberside Police thought that this was great evidence. Now, when we got hold of the evidence, a copy of the evidence, we laughed our heads off because we thought, oh my goodness, we've won. This Only a lunatic could have written this. And um, anybody who's got half a brain is going to see that this is written by a lunatic, a deranged nutter. Um, and they're going to, dis- you know, they're, they're going to see for what it is, which is which is what the judge did. You know, he said this is from the outrageous rationality. Uh, in acting on this evidence, the police acted like the Gestapo, the, 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 the Stasi, and the Cheka. So we whooped their asses. So here's, here's what really um, perplexes me about all of this. In Australia, we often look to the UK as the crucible of our individual freedoms. We see yeah. the UK as a place where we got the rule of law, where we got yeah. a lot of our deeply ingrained notions of democracy, noting that they you know, had their origins in places other than the UK. If we go further, far enough back in history. Um, but we, we always think as the UK is the place that does this best. And it sounds as though... Um, the current situation that you face is really quite concerning. What does that mean for the future of free speech and individual freedom in the UK? And what does it mean for us in Australia? Well, this is the reason that I I, I took on the police because instantly, the second I received a phone call from from the police officer, I realised that this was wrong. It was wrong on every single level because... Certainly in the UK, we, we don't have a contract as such with the government, about, with the states about what we can and can't do. We are free people, and we are free people up to the point where the government, elected by the people, says accountable to this the people. far and no further. Pardon? And accountable to the people. Yeah, and accountable to the people. But, that, but, but this, our, our basic freedoms, our basic common law freedoms are being eroded and eroded and eroded and they're being eroded because we've had a shift from the rule of law to the rule of guidance now the thing about guidance is you can't vote it out law you can change because you change the politicians you change the government it's subject to scrutiny but guidance isn't and we're slowly moving from the position of the rule of law to the rule of guidance now with the current um, COVID-19 crisis, also. Now, admittedly, the the the, um, the laws, the emergency laws, have been rushed through by government, so we can sort of forgive them for that. But again, the police are mistaking guidance and sensible advice for law, and they're getting it wrong time and time and time again. We have a real problem with our police force. A massive problem. They don't seem to understand the concepts of law and the concepts of freedom. They don't seem to understand that they police by our consent. 
And unfortunately, it takes extraordinary actions by ordinary people like me to even begin to turn back this tide. But it, it, it's a lot to ask of a basic individual. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a super rich guy or anything. Um, I'm Peter, a you're a docker. Guy. I, you're a docker and yeah, you're a businessman. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm a docker and businessman. So I could, I, you know, I can't afford to do this fight. It really hurts me to do the fight. You know, I'm risking a lot to do this fight. But I am one of the few people who is able to take this fight because th- there is no staging post between complaining to the police and the high court. There's, it's not as though there are other courts you'd go to. It's the high court or bust. And like I said, that's. I had to put up 300,000 Australian dollars equivalent of, um, with no guarantee of winning whatsoever. Now, who could do that? Who? Very, very few people. Very few. Also, the amount of time that it took. It took months and months and months. Um, and do you know what? You, you spend a, a, lot of that, a lot of that time wondering, God, should I just back off? Should I just go away? Well, who do I think I am? What am I doing? This is crazy. I'm causing my wife stress. I'm causing my kids stress, my family stress, my friends. I'm just causing stress everywhere. I could end up having a financial meltdown over this and being absolutely humiliated. But another part of me said, this is the right thing to do. It's absolutely, it's absolutely down to ordinary citizens to stand up against the government and the forces of government when those forces get out of control, if we don't stand against them, who will? And this is, and that, this that is was, the interesting that was, that was thing. My position. You know, you've been, you've been quite brave in, in taking that on. You've taken a really big risk, a, a great, at least financial risk, but also reputational too. It's, it's really interesting. Well, re- re- you know what? I've not set foot in my office for over a year. Not for a year because I couldn't because I was, I was written up in the newspapers as being a hateful transphobe, my picture appeared in in the crime section of the local papers and the national papers. Wow! Um, and in order in order to protect my and they company, say it's not a crime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. They say, well, it's not a crime. Yeah, but so how come I'm in the crime section between a mafia boss and a and a gangland killer? How how does that work? You know, people don't read the subtleties. They see the headline and they see my picture, hateful transphobe. Runs it has another running with the police in amongst all the, the drug dealers and the murderers and all the rest of it. People make their own conclusions. So in order to protect my business, I stepped away from it so that my business had honest deniability about my involvement. They could honestly say he's not involved because I wasn't. I stepped right away. So the, the, the effects on me were, and my family, were incredibly profound, incredibly profound. And, um, you know, they, they still are. They still are. I bet, Harry. What, because what, what, the because the parliament hasn't properly defined what constitutes the kind of hostility or prejudice that yeah. deserves um, protection from the police. It sounds as though um, in the UK, you know, we've done it in a, in a different kind of way here, but it's a similar sort of problem. We've enshrined a right not to be offended into our laws and. Doesn't that create an incentive for people to engage in a kind of race to the bottom where the views of the most offended person, the person who can whip up the most personal outrage, 
in any yeah. incident count the most? And and the people who are normal, rational, going about their business, just engaging in ordinary conversations, don't seem to count at all. Well, well, you know, if you can claim victimhood, then you have currency. You really have currency. Uh, if you if you shout out, "I am a victim," then everybody listens. Um, so, absolutely, it's a race to race to the bottom because rather than celebrating heroes, um, we're we're we're, cele- we're actually celebrating those who choose um, to call themselves victims. And again, no evidence necessary. All that is required is that you call yourself a victim and that you perceive that you've been hated upon by somebody with an opposing opinion. And the police, unfortunately, in the current climate, will act. They will act irrationally on behalf of the person who cries out victim. And all our cries for, look, we were just engaged politically, we weren't meaning to be rude, we weren't being hateful, we were engaging in reasonable debate, all of that is pushed aside um, for the sake of the victim narrative. That can't be right. That cannot be right. You've established an organisation called Fair Cop. What does Fair yeah. Cop do? What's its purpose? Uh, Fair Cop is a bunch of us who are uh, former police officers, serving police officers, barristers, lawyers, etc., etc. And um, we exist to challenge uh, police overreach and actually overreach from human rights, uh, sorry, um, human resource departments. Because if you think about it, the police, the police hold a lot of power, but I actually think when you look around, it's HR departments that really hold power. Well, it's you the know, HR it's, departments it's, it's, that are pushing a lot of the social change and yeah, enforcing so, a lot so of the you, offence you, culture. Yeah. So if you don't wear the rainbow lanyard, if you don't, if you don't sign yourself up to the trans ally scheme, then the HR department can look at you and because you're not waving the flag wildly enough and saying all the right things, they've got the power to stop your promotions and to move you out uh, to move you out of the business. They've got the power to ruin your life entirely. And for most people, because, the loss because of employment ideologically driven. Yeah, the loss of employment for most people is the the most critical thing you could take away. It takes away their ability to care yeah, for well, their families, I, 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 to pay the bills, to be independent humans. Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting in a restaurant with one or two other activists a year or so ago, a very busy restaurant in the middle of London. I said, have a look around. How many people in this restaurant do you think have been, they've had the knock on the door uh, from the thought police? And we looked around and said, there's probably two, two of us. There were at least two of us because I was there with Posey Parker. And I said, right, okay, how many people do you think there are in this restaurant who are terrified of their HR department? And we reckon about 80, 90%. Mm. It says a lot, because doesn't it? Yeah, it really is, and because they're flying the flags, um, they 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 take the mantra that debate is hate. Um, if you don't join the Pride March, if you don't sort of jump up and down and embrace queer theory, then you are regarded as hateful. And uh, you know what what organisation wants somebody who's a, a hateful person in their organisation because they equate it with racism and homophobia. And of course, it's not. It's entirely different from racism and homophobia. Racism is a real thing. Homophobia is a real thing. Transphobia is just made up. It doesn't. It. it, it it's, I don't even. There's not even definition of it. Not that there's any sense. 
And look, even now, if, even if that's a view so that people don't agree with, there should be yeah. a culture in which people can exchange in points of view uh, without it becoming something that ends up on a criminal history. Hey, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given um, up for the podcast today and I know that people are going to be really interested to hear about your experience and I hope that you'll help to give courage to listeners who find themselves in situations where um, they don't feel like they're getting the opportunity to be genuinely heard as um, ordinary participants in a fair and open debate without it ending up in the HR department or in um, in their police records. So thank you so much for your courage back home, but also for your time today. Can I finish up with one question before I let you sure. get to bed? Because I know it is late for you. Um, it really is late. <laughs> the main criticism that um, is levelled at people who want to fight for free speech is to yeah. say... You just want to be able to say whatever you like without getting any criticism. You don't want any of the consequences that come with free speech. Because you hear that kind yeah, of no. um, argument levelled yeah. against people who believe in free speech. What yeah, do you say to that? Yeah, it's, it's, also, it's also lame. Absolutely lame. It's, it's a way of hiding because all of us know there is a difference between straightforward, hateful, Speech which incites to violence and which is designed to wound, designed to wound people and hurt people. We all know the difference between that and simply the expression of views which may, which may end up offending people. We know the difference, and we, we are lying when we pretend that we don't. I know that if I say, if I if, if I saw a trans person walking down the street and I shout out to them. Ah, you great big wazzik or your bloody lady boy or what have you. That is that is designed to be hateful. I understand that. It's abuse. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's abuse. We we all know that. But if I say I don't believe that people can change sex or that trans women are not the same as biological women, you have to be operating with a degree of intellectual dishonesty to categorise those things as, the, as being the same, because they're not. And we all know that they're not the same. We all know that one thing is an insult and the other thing is a genuine, rational, reasonable point of view. Even if we're wrong, ultimately, even if history finally says that my view is wrong, well, I still, at this point in history, have the right to express it because we are expressing it on the basis of what we understand life and sex to be, and we are expressing it without malice. We're expressing it with a good degree of intellectual honesty. So that's what I would say. And when we look into history, there's plenty of examples of how um, great injustices were only able to be made right because of free speech. You know, you can look to the civil rights movement. You can look at the end of slavery. You could make a really long list <laughs> um, of yeah, wrongs yeah, that yeah, were made could, right but, but, just because of free speech. And so it's so strange that... And, and, yeah, it's so strange that people are, are prepared to abandon something that um, you would have thought that 50 years ago um, the left would regard as a fundamental value. No, I think, yeah, anybody that's interested in free speech... Uh, needs to read um, On Liberty by John Stuart Mill. Right. Because he, he, he explains very clearly that even if even if you're wrong, it's all, all right 
it doesn't matter. Whether you're wrong or whether you're right, your, your position needs debating. And it needs debating freely, openly, and honestly. Because if you're right, well, you've worked out how to knock down some of the objections and refine your rightness, maybe persuade people on the way. And if you're wrong, you've got the opportunity through discussion to change. And that's what we're after. I'm yet to hear a, a, a good, reasonable, rational argument that says that my view is wrong. But I'm open to, I'm open to have that debate. Well, I don't think you could finish it up on any better note than that. Harry, thank you so much <laughs> for making time. Thank you for your bravery and thank you for helping people to understand how important it is that we fight against this bureaucratic culture, the, the policy-based culture of, of shutting down free thinking and encourage people to bravely participate in the most challenging debates of our time. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem at all. Come, come, come visit our, our website at Faircom. Will do. What is it for, for listeners? www.faircop.org um, or you can find us at We Are Fair Cop on Twitter. Thank you so much, Harry. Sounds good. All right, then. Catch you later.